Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. Have a blast. You're going to have a good time. Good time in the Lord's house and the Word of God. And uh, that's what it's all about. Just, just uh, stick with the truth. Amen. So last week, uh, we're heading on a series of major Bible doctrines. And uh, last week we covered heaven. And I told a few people on the porch, next week's going to be hell. And uh, it is. The topic is hell. And um, Jesus talked twice as much about hell than he did about heaven. Really remarkable. The other day, I was at a meeting uh, with some people, and uh, there was a, an individual there, a nice, nice young person, and um, they were kind of lamenting uh, how some churches... We don't, I, don't, I don't remember the last time I brought a message just on hell. It's got to be a year or two or three. It's been a while. But they were lamenting... Uh, on how some churches don't give you messages that lift you up. We do a lot of that, by the way. But like a message on hell is so incredibly important because we've got to understand it, it's, it's really there and it's something that we're going to have to deal with. And so there are a lot of different approaches to this. I've, I've got different sermons I brought on it, different Bible studies. And what I do on, on almost every sermon is I take a fresh look at it, new topic. I might refer to some of the other things that I've done and I certainly will research some, people that other, some things that other people have done. Just for the record, if you take it from one source, it's plagiarism. If you take it from two, it's research. <laughs> this isn't either. This is just, this is just brand new. And um, so we could talk about the history of it. We could talk about why it was created, where it is, and different names that are used, different Hebrew and Greek words that speak of this final place. But... I thought it'd be best way to approach this just by looking at a single passage in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31, is a rich man and Lazarus. And I'm going to read it. I'm going to read Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 21. Uh, th- these are uncomfortable messages, and uh, rightfully so, because they are messages of warning. Uh, hell is a real place. It's a place of endless duration. I think probably 99.9% of the people who go there are completely shocked that they're going there. And that's why it's so important that that we hold a a clear message of grace, of the forgiveness that God offers through the the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, on the cross of Calvary. And we all need it. The whole world needs it. They need to know the message of Christ. And uh, so, but Jesus gave this story. It's not a parable. It's a story. It's in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. You read that silently. Why read it aloud? Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table... 
Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. It was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, rememberest that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from thence from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege we have to be in your house. And Lord, as we look at this very somber topic today, our hearts are stirred and, Lord, perhaps even a little bit troubled as we consider the, uh, the eternal consequences of, of unbelief. Lord, we thank you that you love us, that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, we ask that you'd help us with, with great clarity, look at ourselves, look at your word, and Lord, just be so thankful for what you've done for us. And Father, if there be any here today that have not yet repented of their sin and trusted Christ as their Savior, Lord, we pray that this would be the day of salvation. Lord, may an eternal fire burn within us to hold forth the word of life, the message of forgiveness and grace that's contained uh, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you bless this time together, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So hell, we're going to look at a few things about hell today. In uh, verses 19 through 21, we're going to take a look first at the, an unanticipated future. <laughs> Nobody expects it. I said recently, and, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, and, and this is how God spoke to me on, on not just hell, but eternal messages. When we go to a funeral, and I don't need to be, to be rough or insensitive by any means, but, but when we go to funerals, we're, we're shocked a little bit at, at the, the finality of the situation, the change. A lot of people will at that time to say, hey, I wonder what in the world's going on and what really happens in these various things. We're stirred to a, a new level of personal empathy that I think few other instances in life will bring us to. And my advice to anyone when they get to that point of that, that deep stirring is stay there. Stay at that point where this is not such a foreign topic. Not that we'd live under the umbrella of a day-to-day, -day, you know, hell around the corner, but let's not be that far away. Last week we talked about heaven. Now I tell you, that, that's, that's a sweet message. When I got saved... I understood that there was a hell. But what I really didn't want to miss was heaven. That was kind of foremost in my mind. I would be with Jesus. I knew I couldn't be. My sins were unforgiven. I needed, I needed God to forgive me. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. But again, Jesus, just put this in reference, Jesus talked about hell 
twice as much than he did about heaven. And what we see in verses 19 through 21 is an unanticipated future. <clears throat> Again, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it's a pretty straightforward um, picture that's drawn for us, a certain rich man. There's some traditions that say this person's name is Nineveh. Not Nineveh, like the city, but Nineveh. It's tradition, it's not that important. I believe this is a true story because Lazarus's name is given. You don't find people's names in, in parables. Why didn't Jesus name the name of the rich man who died? Well, maybe it'd be a little insensitive. Maybe it'd be a little bit more than people could take if he named, maybe it was Nineveh. I don't know. I, I'm not really certain. I heard another name kicked around that it could be. It's not really that important, but I, I can understand that there'd be a little bit rough to take if Jesus, the Son of God, said this person and named a contemporary of that time and said he's now in hell. The important thing is that the rich man did die and go to hell. Now, what were his sins? It's amazing because he doesn't really list very flagrant sins here. He says about him uh, that... He, um, he, was a, he was a rich man. Is that a sin? It's not a sin. Not a sin to be rich. He doesn't say that the love of money, that he, that he was building more towers to put more stuff in and that kind of thing. He just says he was a rich man. Not necessarily sin by any stretch. He was clothed in purple. Purple was an, ex an expensive uh, type of garment that people would wear. Was he living beyond his means? Was he being audacious, I don't really know, but there's not really a sin in that, being rich or being clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. Again, was he being braggadocious about it? Was it gluttony? It's not, it's not directly inferred in this. So sins aren't really mentioned as far as being condemning instances. It didn't say there was a righteous man, a murderous man, and, and he died. We could make the connection a lot closer, but not with the rich man. It says about him that he's just a certain rich man, and he, he's fared sumptuously every day, and uh, he's dressed in purple. And, and then also there was a man named, named Lazarus. Now, before we move on to Lazarus, the rich man, what we don't see in here is consideration of what's going to come. And most of us live there. I couldn't live, I couldn't operate on a daily basis if I, if I was consumed with the concept of hell. You know, David said in going through Psalms, he said such things, something, not talking specifically about hell, but in considering some of the topics of the, etern, of the eternal, David said such things are too wonderful, wonderful for me, I cannot bear them. And I think that hell's a little bit like that, that if we were to walk around with the, the daily concept, look everybody constantly, totally and exclusively on hell, it'd be a tough way to live. I'm not saying it's the wrong way to live. You, you might be a terrific soul winner. You might be a missionary on a foreign land. But if that was all that we thought about, it'd be pretty tough. But I will say this, we should always have that on our minds. The eternal consequences of unbelief. Why? Because it's going to motivate us. We care about people. If we saw someone ready to get hit by a car... We would risk our own lives, many of us would risk our own lives. If not, your brother's life, just shove him out there and let him do something. But we'd want to do something about it. It would bother us. And so this should bother us. It should. Jesus tells us about it so that we're not unaware of it. So there's a rich man that he was here. He fared some shoes, slave day, dressed in, 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 in uh, 
and purple, and, and it had a great life. And then in verse 20, it says there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Now, this is why I had a conversation, and this only take a minute. I had a conversation, it's 1138. Uh, I had a conversation with uh, a person who didn't believe in hell. And we talked about this passage. And they said, it's a parable. And I said, it is not. They said, it is too. I said, it is not. We went back and forth a little bit. I hadn't done that since sixth grade, so I kind of ran with it for a little bit. <laughs> and I said, all right. Let's assume it is a parable. But let's first recognize there's nothing in the text to dictate that it is a parable. There's nothing saying, and the Lord spake a parable unto them. It's not there. They agreed, it's not there, I agree, it's not there. I said, okay, now what you want me to believe, and if, I didn't think about the name thing, but it is true. Names aren't given in parables, that's number one. But number two, and the most overriding thing on why this could not be a parable, and I said to this person, I said, to what you want me to believe is that Jesus spake a parable using pagan theology without an application. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, Jesus is teaching consciousness after death in torment. That's pagan theology if hell's not real. And you want me to believe that Jesus taught pagan theology without an application? Just for the record, folks, that was the end of our conversation. I never, <laughs> never saw the guy again. I say that because it's not a parable. This is an actual account. It's an actual truth. There was a man named Lazarus, and which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from rich man's table. And there's no inference that the man withheld it. Lazarus is there some way, shape, or form in close proximity to where this guy eats. And it could be that they don't, you know, they don't have plastic bags to put the excess things in, or maybe things would fall off the table. Anyway, that's how he ate. And moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. He had sores. He was just having an awful time. Really, just, just a really tough life. That's a very tough life. And, and the Bible says, in verse, starting in verse 20, so we see that it's, it's an un, unanticipated future. Okay? As a Bible-believing Christian, I hope you're a Bible-believing Christian this morning. You know, this is the Word of God. It really is. It really, really is. And I don't care what you've been brought up, where you went to school, or you didn't go to school. It doesn't really matter. This is, really is, really is the Word of God. And he gives us some incredibly important messages in here that I never want to be the person who doesn't want to look and consider what's being said. I never want to be the person who's going to avoid the big topic in the room. And this is a big topic. But a lot of people go through life and they don't even want to talk about it. If you bring up the idea, and I understand it can be awkward, you need to approach it, you know, let the Spirit lead you how to approach it, but to not deal with the topic of heaven, hell, God, Jesus, and the Bible, in my mind, it's inexcusable. It's just something you have to deal with. But yet what we see is uh, an unanticipated future. In verses 22 through 28, an unchangeable faith. And there's a lot we could say about this, but it says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Think about what, what this was like. The, the, there's no mention of, of what this guy's life, the rich man's life, was like outside. There's no mention, really, of what Lazarus's life was like outside of this. Lazarus, obviously, was a believer. He was a believer that had sores. He's a believer that was poor. He was a believer that had a, a difficult life. And I say that just to point out the fact that it's not God's will for every believer to be rich and, and not, never have a, a problem by any means. Lazarus is an example of someone that God gave the grace to 
to make it through such a life. But think about what it was like for the rich man. He just enters his place of punishment. Shocked, I'm sure. Totally shocked. And he lifts up his eyes and he sees himself separated from God. Now in this place of paradise, this is before Jesus rose from the dead, before he took uh, all of the believers to heaven. Because no one could go to heaven until Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So they went to this common place of dead called Sheol. And there's a, place, a compartment for believers called paradise, or Abraham's bosom. And there's a part for the unbelievers, is is hell. And in between the two, there's a great gulf fix. And this is literally a physical place where they could have conversations like this, but there was a great gulf fixed. So this, un, this rich man dies, he's in hell, and immediately he sees himself separated from God. He sees Abraham on the other side. All of the things that he enjoyed in life, he's now separated from. In, in my opinion, I think that people presume that whatever, whatever kind of life they have now, comforts and ease and so on, it will just kind of migrate into eternity. I think people have that impression. That's why I think Jesus said that it's easier for a rich man, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven because they just assume things will continue on kind of the way they are. This man was totally shocked. And he gets there and he, he sees himself separated from God and then he, and he feels himself tormented in this flame. And there's no one there to help him, no one there to get him out. And then he sees Lazarus, he sees Abraham afar off. Now think about that. How did he know it was Abraham? I think that there's a recognition, just like when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, they saw Moses and Elijah and they, they knew who they were. They never met. There's some kind of recognition. He sees Abraham afar off and then he sees Lazarus in his bosom. Now, in his bosom means, uh, typically, it, it means a couple of things. Basically, basically, close proximity. Uh, in the Oriental culture, they would sometimes lie on the ground and they'd maybe resting on one elbow as they're relaxing and having conversation, maybe a pillow under their arm. And the person you're leaning against, if you were, you'd be said to be leaning on their bosom. So here, Lazarus is clothed with immortality. And he recognizes them. And he understands where he is. And he's shocked. He, what a contrast. And I never knew it was going to be like this. Again, we don't know what led up to this point in his life. We don't know what opportunities he had, didn't have, his responses to them. We don't really know. But we can safely conclude that when people are in this place, this place of perdition, that they have, that at least with him, there was a sense of the happiness of the blessed. What they have and what I don't have. And this idea, I think this concept, this realization that I am forever excluded from this has got to be an overwhelming realization. Can you imagine the first 30 seconds in hell? Why, wow, it's just, again, like David said, these things are too wonderful for me. But they are real. And Christians, we have the words of life. We have the words of life. It's the gospel. It's the death, the burial, resurrection of Christ. People don't have to go there. They don't have to. But they need to know about Jesus Christ. They need to have the preaching of the gospel. It, they've, got to be, they've got to be told the truth. And uh, so we have this rich man. He's in hell. He's in torment. And the idea, again, overwhelming. These things are too great for us to understand, to fully empathize with. But can you imagine being there for 30 seconds? in realizing my consciousness will never cease and this destiny will never change.
That's overwhelming. When I think about things like this, it really helps me to appreciate the value of our salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It also helps me to appreciate why Jesus went to the cross to save us from such a place. God told us about this place, New Testament, Old Testament, New Testament revealing more clearly some of the things that were told in the Old Testament. But Jesus died so that we wouldn't have to go here. And so we have, uh, we have this going on in verse 26. It says, and beside all this, between us and you, there is a, a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you, I don't know why they would, but maybe out of an act of sacrifice or assistance, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into the place of torment. Uh, I've been with people. We, don't, we can't judge. Um, there are things we can judge on. The Bible says we already judge certain things in life, but this level of judgment we can't judge. But there's some times when people have left earth, and I'm pretty convinced, based upon their, what I can observe of their testimony and what appears to be their conclusion on Jesus Christ, it's not good. And how do you feel when that happens? I know you've been there. I've been there. You've been there. How do you feel? Don't you, don't you say, I wished I had done something more. I wish, you know, I had that opportunity. I wish I'd really developed that opportunity to talk with them. And it's a driving force. It's, a, it's an unavoidable conclusion, unavoidable provocation that we have when we think about these things. You know what I say? Stay there. Stay there. Not that we would live with no, if we live always in that fight or flight mentality, it's all, you, you might conclude that all the joy of life is gone. And it, 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 we don't want to be there. We want to enjoy life and the fellowship and so on. But, but at a moment's notice, at a moment's notice, be there. Be there. Be, and we've talked about it before. I don't mean overuse it. But any time that a Christian serves the Lord, and, and, and more specifically, in the delivering of the gospel, whether you're sowing the seed or watering the seed or being at the harvest, what you do is more important than any SEAL Team 6 team could ever accomplish. Amen. And it is. We live there. I've gone to the hospital a few times visiting someone, and they don't know them coming. In the various situations, so, so different descriptions I could give, but walking in the hospital, and, and I remind myself, I'm SEAL Team 6. And I'm not, there's no braggadocious nature to that whatsoever. It's just that what we do is incredibly important. And, and they're there, and they don't know where they're going. They may not know where they're going. I want to help them. I want to bring the words of life to them. And can I tell you about Jesus? If you're to die right now, I've said this to people in the hospital, and I don't like being the blunt one. I really don't. I'm not, I don't like being that person. But sometimes you have to approach a topic that may be a little bit uncomfortable, and you want, you want the Spirit to lead you in the very best way possible but recognizing that something's got to be said. And so it's not always easy, and sometimes you're kind of opening the door a little quickly. And I remember talking to people in the hospital in a very, very serious situation, and I asked them, if you were to die right now, do you know where you'd go? And sometimes, but here's God's grace. There's been more than a few times at a time like that when people who who otherwise have been known to kind of be a little dismissive 
I'm a little busy. That's a religious topic, not quite ready for it yet. And I can kind of empathize with all those things. But at times like this, they're like, no, I don't know. Could you tell me? And there's been a few times when I've been able to lead someone to Christ as a result of this. I, I told you about my friend's dad. He was in the hospital. He had cancer. It was proceeding. And he, he said to me, um, I, I go in there. I, I say, hi, my name's John. I'm a friend of your son's Tom. I pass, Light, I, I pass for Lighthouse Baptist Church. He goes, well, thank you for coming, Father. <laughs> I've been called worse, right? And he goes on to tell me all of the things that he's done. And I've shared this with you before, but he's, he literally goes to church every day. Every day. He prays for his wife, who's deceased, his children, who I think we're all living, and various things, like every day. And he does this. He's not, he's not making this up. He, he was a, a tough police officer. As a, he's just, he, he just tells it the way it is. So he's in the hospital, and he's telling me all these things. And I'm thinking to myself, this is going to get really difficult because we have a man who's religious, believes in God, and has a lot of good works. But this is what he'd said. And he may not have said this at any other time, but in that situation. He said, after telling me all the things that he's done, and it really would put most Bible-believing Christians maybe to shame in, in part. And he said, but how can I know I'm right with God? Oh, my goodness. I had the incredible opportunity of leading that man to Christ in the hospital that Saturday morning, St. Peter's Hospital. I'd have to look up on the calendar many years ago. But the message has got to be brought because you don't want anybody going there. And what we have, so then Jesus said in, in, in telling the story, I pray thee therefore, Father, thou would ascend into my father's house. I have people who say, you know, they're a little awkward. They don't like dealing with this topic because what about my mom or dad or others who have, may not have adhered to this, that I don't know adhere to this particular Bible truth. And I say, well, first of all, you don't know. And God is gracious, and we don't know what may have happened earlier in their life. We can't, we can't judge that. But wherever anyone is, and you may or may not use the individual as an instance, but wherever anybody is, they want you to know the gospel. This man was in hell. And what he said was, I pray thee therefore, Father, I would ascend into my father's house, for I have five brethren, that you may testify of them, lest they also come into the place of torment. So if someone's in hell... They want us to tell. They want us to give the message. They want us to. People on the other side in heaven, maybe, I don't know the exact scenario, but maybe they're looking over the banisters of glory. My dad got saved just a few hours before he died. I didn't have much of it. I didn't get saved until about four or five months later. So we didn't have any real Christian fellowship. But I like to think from time to time that maybe my dad's saying, go get him. And I can't wait to see my dad someday. You mentioned that, going to see my father. We're going to see our heavenly father, but also our earthly father. I'm going to see my earthly father someday. And maybe he's saying, go get him. People in hell, they want us to tell the message. People in heaven, they want us to tell the message. And we have here an unchangeable faith. It doesn't change. Sometimes you don't want it to be true. I've been there. I have a loved one pass away, and I'm virtually certain I know where they went. I don't know it for sure. It's some minimal degree of comfort. But it's, it's a heavy weight. And I still say, stay there. Don't dismiss it. Hang on to that. Don't forget that, that trouble spirit that we had. We said, 
Maybe, maybe I could have said something else. Maybe, maybe I could have done more. It, degree, to a degree they would not disable you. Keep there. And then lastly, an unanswered forewarning. The answer is pretty clear. So the rich man in hell said, send it to my father's house. I have five brethren. I don't want them to come to this place of torment. And he says, well, Abraham says, verses 29 through 31, Abraham saith unto him, again, not a parable, Abraham saith unto him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, nay, father, Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now, of course, my initial application of that challenge was Jesus, right? And he's the best, I think, still the best application of that truth. Jesus rose from the dead. And if that statement was true, that if someone rose from the dead, then sure, surely people would believe it's not true. It's not true. But you know, there was, a, there was a more immediate application during the ministry of Christ, when Lazarus was risen from the dead. There's no reference to this as the same Lazarus. I don't think it is. I'm not saying it's definitely not, but no one has made, connected those dots. It's a fellow who happened to be named Lazarus. But Lazarus, oh, that, that makes you think a little bit, doesn't it? Wouldn't that be something? But Lazarus, or, or this rich man, he said, send someone to my house. And, and he said, uh, but if one went on, on, on from the dead, they will not repent. When Lazarus rose from the dead, what happened to the unbelievers? They hated Lazarus. Every time they saw Lazarus walking around, he's a reminder of Jesus' power. And they didn't like that very much. They wanted to kill Lazarus. I, I brought a message one time, uh, the plan to assassinate someone who already died. They wanted to kill Lazarus. Someone coming back from the dead is not the most productive way for someone to get saved. It is effectual. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is the gospel. But what did he say to them? He said, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. The Bible says, for my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And we probably live in the least biblically literate age of the earth. I don't have all the stats, but I see the trends. Least biblically literate age in the world. When we read it, if, if people could just agree, and there may be differences that come up, and there's smaller differences, but if people could just agree, this really is the Bible. It's the word of God. This is what I'm going to believe. And if I have a conclusion of, of some making that I had prior to being confronted with the word of God and seeing that I need to change my conclusion, I'm willing to do that. If we could just agree that the Bible's the word of God, so many of these problems would be answered and, 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 these, and the divisions that exist among people would be done away if we get, just get back to that point. And Jesus said that if one rose from the dead, that wouldn't be enough. We've got to get back to the book. It's a great message. It has, uh, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's, it's from, and I don't want to steal from someone else's book title, but because they're not so good, all of them. But from the infinite mind of God to the finite mind of man, he perfectly gave us his word. And I'm just so glad that we have it. There really is a hell. And Jesus said, and I'll close with this, on a sense of proportionality. He said, narrow is the way 
which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. But wide is the gate and broad is the way which leadeth unto destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. So Christian, knowing that this is a way, we've got to make a difference. And God will stir in our hearts, he'll open up the opportunities for us to, to stand up and bring forth the message. Again, hell, an unanticipated future, an unchangeable fate, an unanswered forewarning. The Bible's very clear that it does exist, and it, he tells us so that we would not be caught off guard. Major Bible doctrine, message on hell. Let's close our, our eyes, just bow our heads for just a couple minutes, just a minute or two. I remember hearing messages on hell after I got saved and being deeply stirred. God would bring someone to my remembrance. I remember I was thinking about my mom one night. The evangelist was preaching on hell, and I was weeping, weeping, because I'm, I'm thinking, I don't think she's ready. She tells me she's not ready. She hasn't yet trusted Christ. She, my mom did get saved, thankfully. But there's so many people that they're not ready, and they don't know. And it's, it's a hard topic to bring up, and it's not the only message in the gospel. It may be something we want to bring to their attention, the separation from God in this place called hell. But it is an, an inevitable destiny for all those who remain in unbelief. And so it's, it's such an important message we bring to them. God's entrusted us with this treasure that we bear in earthen vessels. And uh, let's be faithful and bring it to others. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure if you're to die right now, you go to heaven. You're, the question of your salvation comes to mind. The Bible is very clear. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. And so what do we do? We say, God, I, I know that I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for my sins and the sins of the whole world. And God, I'm asking you to please forgive me. I want Jesus Christ as my Savior. I need your forgiveness. And many of us have gone through that door. Perhaps you prayed this morning. But we need to carry that message. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.